Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the first week of the 2024 sports calendar, and even though football season may be over, and even though our bet of blue Gatorade at the Super Bowl dunking Andy Reid did not cash, we are still giving you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you head to Bet Online Sportsbook with the link in the description to this episode and use our promo code BELIEVE. Use that 50% welcome bonus to bet on basketball. Maybe you're into the pro, maybe you're into the college, maybe you're into Caitlin Clark setting the all-time scoring record in the history of college basketball. However you choose to bet, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever you may be listening, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping on in to another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome to Super Bowl Monday. We are coming to you live Sunday night, post-Super Bowl. It is approaching midnight on the West Coast because we, myself, and I have been celebrating, celebrating the Kansas City Super Bowl for the third time in this podcast's beautiful history. Our beautiful baby boy, Patrick Mahomes, comes through in the clutch to win a third Kansas City Super Bowl on a walk-off touchdown in overtime to beat the San Francisco 49ers. This is not supposed to happen. I'm just going to put that out there. This is not supposed to happen to people like me. This is not supposed to happen to anyone. The fact that you can just pick up a fandom and six years later be delivered the greatest dynasty in a five-year span any of us have seen in our lifetimes, it's just not supposed to happen like that. And yet, it has happened. Kansas City, the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowl titles since the 2003-2004 New England Patriots. The first team to win three Super Bowls in five years. I'm sorry, yeah, three Super Bowls within five years since the Patriots of 2014 to 2018. Kansas City 
is at the mountaintop for the second year in a row. And now in the history of this podcast, this podcast has been around now for going on five calendar years, nearly a half decade of Take It Easy podcast. In the history of this podcast, we have had more Super Bowl Mondays talking about Kansas City winning the Super Bowl than anyone else combined. Anyone else in the history of this podcast. Stuff like that's just not supposed to happen. I could just copy and paste the Patrick Mahomes reaction video from last year, and a lot of it would be very similar about how excited I am about rooting for Patrick Mahomes and the fact that he's now won these championships in such a quick span of time, and he's irrefutably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. The fact that back in 2019, we told you this is what it was going to be. It was going to be Kansas City running the NFL for 15 years, more specifically running the AFC West for 15 years. When you have the greatest quarterback to ever play the game statistically, and he's continued to bear that out as the years have gone along through injuries, through not having a defense, to not having receivers who are trustworthy, to having running backs that were fumbling the football in Super Bowls, to not having an offensive line against Tampa, everything everything in the in-between that has gone around with Kansas City. When you have the greatest quarterback to ever play the game and the greatest offensive coach in the history of the NFL, it makes so many of your problems easier. And we have seen that during this Super Bowl run for Kansas City. A Super Bowl run that, by the way, according to our friend Aaron Schatz of uh, FTN Fantasy, who is the the creator of DVOA and the big number, the king of the nerds is is what we affectionately called him and we got to have him on the show last year and it was incredibly awesome to to talk to Aaron Schatz here on the show the the king of the nerds Aaron Schatz is pointing out the fact that this year's Kansas City champion team faced the hardest postseason road to a title ever based on opponent DVOA they had a 2.4 percent chance entering the play entering the playoffs to win a Super Bowl which is just surplanted by the 2007 New York Giants, which, if you'll remember correctly, beat the undefeated New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, and 16 years ago, their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo, the same defensive coordinator leading the charge for Kansas City this time around when they won the Super Bowl. So instead of doing the whole let's react to Kansas City winning the championship and be excited and ecstatic, because there will be plenty of time to do that. We've done it in past Super Bowls. We've come here and gotten excited. Let's just point out the fact that the worst Kansas City team Patrick Mahomes has ever had won the Super Bowl. It was the best defense Patrick Mahomes had ever had, but top to bottom, this was the worst team that Patrick Mahomes had ever taken to the playoffs, according to DVOA, and they won the Super Bowl. The 8th-ranked defense in DVOA stepped up at the end of the game. And as we go through the final part of the game and go through the final drive charts, we'll kind of resurface to how the, the the defense that was supposed to be one of the best that Patrick Mahomes ever had really did come through and support him, especially in the clutch moments. We'll talk about Chris Jones and Trent McDuffie as we go along, but I just want to point out this fact on the front end of the podcast. The worst Kansas City team that Patrick Mahomes has ever had just won a Super Bowl. They had to go on the road to beat Buffalo. They went on the road to beat Baltimore, the best off, the best DVOA team in the NFL during the regular season. And then the Super Bowl beat the San Francisco 49ers, who through 12 games of this past season had the highest DVOA of any NFL team since 2005. They beat the number one DVOA team. They beat the number two DVOA team. They beat the number four DVOA team, including the number one DVOA defense. 
and they beat the number uh, Buffalo was number five, I believe. I'm sorry, Buffalo was number three in DVOA. No, that's right. They beat the number one, the number two, the number three, and the number five DVOA teams in all of the NFL to win the Super Bowl. It is one of the most remarkable runs that has ever, ex- one of the most impressive runs that has ever existed. And can- And it's not like, oh, Kansas City was this giant underdog or anything in all these games. No, that's not the case. It's a testament to how great the opponents that they played were on a historical level when you account for defense and ball possession becoming the cream of the, the the cream of the crop standard in the NFL San Francisco was the king of time of possession Baltimore was the king uh, the number one DVOA defense kings of getting sacks and turnovers and those are such huge in this modern NFL and in the game of time possession and ball control those two teams were the absolute best at it they should have been the two teams in the Super Bowl in a world where Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist with that defense so with that being said establishing on the front end let's get to the game but before we get to the game let's play our wonderful Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl champion music which is just the Migos song Mahomes that is an absolute banger the Kansas City anthem on this podcast ever since the song came out in 2021 and has now carried Kansas City to two championships within a span of three years since Migos dropped this incredible track Mahomes Hey, all right. So, right out the gate in this game, Christian McCaffrey fumbles the football. And I'm just going to kind of skip through the first parts of the game pretty quickly. There's some interesting notes, but I just kind of want to get through this so we can get to the back end of the game when they stopped punting the football. Because the game ends on drives that go, uh, if I have the drive chart correct here. The game ends going uh, after the muffed punt by... uh, after the muff punt by San Francisco, the game ends going Kansas City touchdown, San Francisco touchdown, Kansas City field goal, San Francisco field goal, Kansas City field goal with three seconds to play, go to overtime, San Francisco field goal, Kansas City touchdown to win the game. So after a game that had, you know, some intrigue, it was 10 to 6, obviously, and it was a really interesting 10 to 6 the way you got there. If you are a football nerd like we can be at times, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive possessions. I'm sorry, seven consecutive possessions to end the Super Bowl that ended in scoring drives. And that's what I want to focus in on because that's where the Super Bowl in the game was decided. But before we get to that, right out the gate, Christian McCaffrey fumbles the football first drive of the game. In hindsight, looks like it could be a big turning point in the game. San Francisco would have gotten at least three points there. And if they had gotten at least three points early in the game, they would have been up 13-0 by the time Kansas City took the ball right before the half. But back to the point with Kansas City. Kansas City officially went four full quarters without scoring a touchdown in the playoffs when they won the Super Bowl. Think about that. They went over 60 consecutive minutes in the playoffs without scoring a point, and they still won the Super Bowl. Completely, uh, for a team that, during their previous iteration, the first group that between 2018 and 2021, that iteration of Kansas City was we can put up 35 points against anyone and it's just boom, 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 boom up and down the field. We can compete and dominate with anyone. 
compare that to the Kansas City team of these past two years, and really more specifically this year, because this was the year that the defense came together. It's just last year the defense was very timely in their successes and timely stepping up in ways that Kansas City needed them to that they didn't get in previous years. For example, Chris Jones sacking Joe Burrow on the final play that Cincinnati got to have on offense in the AFC Championship game. Uh, Nick Bolton getting a strip six for a touchdown. Chris Jones forcing a bad pass by Josh Allen in the divisional round playoff game. Like they got, they were very much a strategically good defense the past couple of seasons, but specifically focus in on these last few games. Kansas City's defense were able to hold opponents to six points while their offense scored zero for a four-minute stretch of football. I'm sorry, a four-quarter stretch of football. For, from 2.30 left in the first half of the AFC Championship game when they kicked the field goal by Butker to go up 17-10. to 10, Or uh, was it 17? No, it was 17-7 at that point. When they kicked the field goal to go up 17-7 at the end of the first half of the AFC Championship game until Butker hits the longest field goal in Super Bowl history with, uh, what was that, 20 seconds left in the first half. In between those two points, Kansas City did not record a single point in the playoffs and still managed to win the Super Bowl. Just want to point out just how incredible that is. Kansas City did not score a point for 62 consecutive minutes of football played and still managed to win the Super Bowl in the playoffs. Just absolutely remarkable. Um, They get a 65-yard completion where Tashawn Gibson for the 49ers like turns his head the wrong way, and it allows Mecole Hardman to get, a, um, to, to get a step on the corner that he already had, but if the safety had tracked the ball early, it would have been an interception. Instead, the safety turned the wrong way, and Hardman was able to get the 51-yard completion. And then on the very next play, Isaiah Pacheco fumbles inside the goal line, and when Pacheco fumbles that ball in inside the goal line, it feels like, oh, Kansas City just wasted the big play. The big play that they had been trusting these no-name receivers with in very sparse occasions during the playoffs, like very sparse occasions, were they going to Valdez Scantling? Were they going to Mikkel Hardman? Were they going to these dudes who had cost them? I mean, Mikkel Hardman fumbled two in the in the divisional round playoff game against Buffalo. Mikkel Hardman had two targets, one yard, two fumbles. That was McCole Hardman's game in the in against Buffalo. That's like it's if not for the existence of Kadarius Tony, it would have been an all-time laughable stat line by McCole Hardman in that divisional round game. And Hardman and Valdez Scantling were getting the deep balls in strategic situations. And it felt like when they went to Hardman in the first half in a 3-0 game for a 50-plus yard bomb that set him up with first and goal. When Pacheco fumbles that football at the goal line, it felt like they wasted the big play opportunity in the game. And you felt like they'd be able to move up and down the field still against the San Francisco defense. It wasn't like the San Francisco defense was just absolutely unstoppable the whole way through, especially because Dre Greenlaw got hurt. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. One of the wackiest play like he's just jumping to get back on the field and when he when he bursts off the sideline 
he tears his Achilles, most likely. Alleged, uh, you know, it's detailed that he is likely to have torn his Achilles. And he just tears his Achilles running onto the field. And Oren Burks was his replacement. And Oren Burks had been on the injured list all week. There was a number 46 who had slid in there who I hadn't seen for most of the season in San Francisco. Because they just hadn't needed that uh, at that, that off-ball linebacker position. But... You know, Greenlaw tears his Achilles, and all of a sudden they're left with questions there. So it wasn't like it felt like Kansas City wouldn't be able to go up and down the field. It's just like they got the big play bomb. They got the 50-plus yard completion, and they ended up getting zero points out of it. It felt like the the issue that you'd heard all year with Kansas City. Like the reason Kansas City lost games in the regular season was receivers dropping passes, receivers messing up the big plays was the reason why they weren't winning these games. I mean, you could point to... Tony having four drops in the first game against the Lions. Valdez Scantling dropping the deep ball against the Eagles. Tony lining up offside when Kelsey throws him the ball for the 50-yard game winner. Like, all of those moments were things that Kansas City wasn't able to overcome all season. And they were able to do it in this game. You know, it took a while to get there, but it felt like that was that was kind of re- repeating itself. You saw the trend. Like, oh, they got the big play, and then they fumbled and gave it away at the goal line. So then, fast forward to, I mean, also let's just acknowledge, Dewan Jennings throwing a touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey to give the Niners a 10-0 lead. Chef's kiss, impeccable, great job. But if you fast forward to the start of the second half after Usher's halftime show, which was, you know, it wasn't for me. I'm a, I'm a little younger. We had a funny, uh, on the radio station, we had a funny little joke. If you check my Twitter, you can kind of see the the back and forth with that. But we had jokes about how, I said Usher was a bit niche for the Super Bowl because he uh, hasn't put out a hit song in like 12 years. And uh, and then Usher actually got named the Super Bowl halftime show, which is in my book pretty funny. Um, But, you know, you can check that out if you want. But coming out of halftime, Kansas City had the ball for the final possession of the half and Butker hit a 57-yard field goal, which was, you know, weirdly enough, three of the four longest kicks in Super Bowl history were made in this game. Butker Moody hit the record first at 55 when he hit the first field goal. Butker broke that record with 57 right at the end of the first half. And then uh, Moody hit a 53-yarder right at the end of the game. That was three of the four longest-made field goals in the history of the Super Bowl, which is just funny to think about the evolution of the kicking position in these types of games specifically. But Butker hits that field goal on the last drive of the half. Kansas City gets the ball to start the second half, and you're looking up, and it's like, okay, Kansas City didn't score for 62 minutes of football. It took a 57-yard field goal for them to even get points in the first half, which, you know, is incredibly impressive by Butker. The fact that Butker has not missed a postseason kick in two years is one of the most amazing statistics that you're going to see in terms of the perfection that's required for for this Kansas City team. For this Kansas City team, the precision-based offense has had an absolutely perfect kicker since Tyreek Hill left the team, which is just kind of incredible to think about. But they make the 57-yard field goal. They get the ball back to start the second half, and you're thinking, okay, even though they haven't scored in 62 minutes, even though it took a 57-yard field goal to get them on the board, they have the ball and they have a chance to make it at least 10-6, to which if you can bring it within a four-point game is pretty good. On the first play of the second half, they do a toss pitch to Isaiah Pacheco, The toss hits him in the shoulder, goes down for a fumble, and Pacheco recovers for a loss of 12. 
Then on second down, they complete a 10-yard pass to generic tight end number three, a.k.a. Noah Gray. And then on third and long, Mahomes throws an interception to Tashawn Gibson. Or I'm sorry, Jair Brown. Jair Brown had the interception, not Gibson. Threw the interception to Jair Brown, which is the first interception Mahomes has thrown in the entire postseason so far. But throws the interception that gives San Francisco the ball on San Francisco's side of the field. And then, brilliantly, they get a stop on San Francisco. In part because, uh, you know, San Francisco had a holding penalty there, but Purdy threw an incompletion. They got pressure on Purdy, and he, he was forced to throw it a uh, little quickly when he was trying to throw it on second down. And then uh, by third and long, Purdy just had to scramble because they had good coverage down the field. Like, absolutely nailed it in coverage on that drive. And they actually forced San Francisco to punt despite the fact that Mahomes threw an interception on his own side of the field. And that's one of those cases where it's like team defense stepping up. Haven't seen that in a while for Kansas City. Mahomes has afforded a mistake and it's not completely demoralizing and taking them completely out of the game. But then they pump the ball back to Kansas City and Kansas City on the next drive ends up getting the ball to third down. Or I'm sorry, they get pinned at the one yard line. So they get pinned at the one on the punt. They get the ball to third down. And one, they burn a timeout on third and one at their own 10-yard line and then call a handoff to Pacheco and don't convert. So coming out of halftime when Kansas City's in a 10-3 game, Kansas City's offensive execution is we're going to have a botched pitch that's going to be a negative 12-yard loss. Mahomes is going to throw an interception on his own side of the field. We're going to call it on the next possession. We're going to get a second chance. We're going to call timeout on our own 10 yard line for a third and one. And then we're going to call a run play that doesn't pick up the third down. Like just an absolutely disastrous start to the second half for Kansas City. And thanks to their defense, they survived the disastrous start to the second half because Brock Purdy went, if my math is correct here, Brock Purdy pulled the Jimmy Garoppolo and went over an hour and a half of real time, and obviously the Usher Super Bowl halftime show was kind of distorting the numbers a little bit, but Brock Purdy went an hour and a half in the Super Bowl without completing a pass. His last completed pass was uh, the draw- was with, If uh, my, let me figure out the math correctly here. His last completed pass came with, 7.04 left in the second quarter. He threw a screen pass to Christian McCaffrey for four yards. Then they went run to McCaffrey, run to Elijah Mitchell, run to Elijah Mitchell, incomplete pass, and then the Juwan Jennings touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey on the trick play. And he didn't complete a pass for from 7.04 left in the second quarter until, if my math is correct, he did not complete another pass until... Uh, 130, 143 left in the third quarter of the game when he threw a completion to Juwan Jennings. He went 18 minutes of football time and an hour and a half of real time without completing a pass, which is the way that Kyle Shanahan likes his offense with quarterbacks disguised and not having to throw the ball. But the but it wasn't like they weren't trying to throw the ball. It was just everything wasn't working. And that was the reason why Kansas City was able to withstand having a Botched fumble on the first snap of the second half. Botched uh, botched snap fumble on the first drive of the second half. Throw an interception. 
call a timeout on their own 10-yard line, and then don't convert on the third and one out of the timeout. Like, they just had a calamity of offensive execution, and it didn't matter because San Francisco went 0-for-6 passing the ball to start the second half, which on San Francisco's part, that's where, you know, you you look at the what coulda, shoulda, woulda been for San Francisco or missed opportunities. Like, I don't think getting negative two yards on the first three drives of the second half is necessarily a woulda, coulda, shoulda thing. It was just, damn, you got crunched by Kansas City to start the second half. And that's why Kansas City was in a position to win the game at the end. Because if you factor in the McCaffrey fumble and you factor in the the getting the the Mahomes interception and getting Kansas City to punt from their own ten yard line while burning a timeout, I mean they had some opportunities to flip the field and got zero points out of it. But from the Kansas City standpoint, they then get the field goal uh, where they uh, I think they got the ball into the red zone at that point if I remember no that was the 57 yarder the Butker 57 yarder was the one uh, in the second half I forgot they they just kicked a generic field goal right before the half but the 57 yarder comes in the second half and uh, that makes it 10 to 6 and then you have the the punt that hits the the San Francisco players ankle and it gets recovered by Kansas City, and then Kansas City scores a touchdown. Okay, we got through the first part of the game, lickety-split. Now I want to get into the seven drives at the end of the game that determined the outcome. First is punt that hits Kansas City player in the Achilles, and uh, Ray Ray tries to recover it, can't. Kansas City lands on it, and first play, Marquez Valdez-Scantling scores a touchdown, which, you know, Hey, faked out the defense by throwing it to Valdez Scantling wide open in the end zone. Just kind of faked him out on the first play there, which was, you know, kind of pretty cool to watch in in real time. But now all of a sudden, hey, Kansas City's got the lead. That was kind of wild. It happened pretty fast that Kansas City ended up getting the lead in that game to go up 13 to 10. And by this point now, Kyle Shanahan has to uh, get into his element, which is down in the uh, down in the third in the fourth quarter and needing to lead a comeback. Because now Kyle Shanahan all of a sudden is a come from behind kind of coach after beating the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers while trailing in the fourth quarter. Or I guess trailing in the second half. They didn't trail in the fourth quarter of the Lions game, but trailing in in the second half, Kyle Shanahan knows how to come from behind. And after, again, Brock Purdy has not completed a pass in an hour and a half of real time. Hour and a half of real time football. Brock Purdy didn't complete a pass. They then execute a perfectly executed 12 play, 75 yard, 6 minute, grind down in an already tired defense, touchdown, drive. That took them into the fourth quarter also, by the way. Took them down to 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. A grind down the defense, 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that happened to involve multiple completions to Jawan Jennings, Devo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk that went for over 10 yards while also going down the rushing route in, uh, you know, having McCaffrey run the ball three times, killing clock, controlling time of possession, all sorts of stuff like that. And if we talk about the San Francisco offense for a minute here, when we were doing our pregame analysis with Razor Rosenthal, with Walter Mitchell, uh, you know, pregame analysis that we did the week after the Super Bowl concluded during our conference championship previews, 
it was pretty clear that San Francisco was going to control time of possession in this game. Like San Francisco's offense is so obsessive with time of possession. They're going to be able to do what they want against that Kansas City defense. And Kansas City is going to be able to execute uh, in a lot of situations where they are not going to be possessing the ball. And in the first half, that is exactly what happened right out the gate. Yes, McCaffrey fumbled the ball and that messed with the, the time of possession a little bit. But Kansas City punted the ball on their first two possessions fumbled the ball at the goal line with the Pacheco play. And by the way, the way they got to the goal line was one giant big play and then went three and out on the next drive. And San Francisco held the ball for 14 minutes in the first 21. of. The, oh, wait, what is the math here? That's 15. There were 26 minutes. San Francisco held the ball for 17 of those 26. Uh, no, they held the ball for 18 of those 26 minutes. 18 of the first 26 minutes of the game, San Francisco held the football, controlling time of possession, executing on offense, trick play executed perfectly for a touchdown where, yeah, uh, yeah, Nick Bolton was kind of in the area, but it was basically a perfectly executed trick play to pull the defense to the left side of the field, flip it back to the right and score a touchdown, executing on all cylinders. The quarterback doesn't have to throw the ball for not, or doesn't have to complete a pass for 90 minutes of real time. We're working. We're working with something here. And by the way, Brock Purdy, to kick off the game, completed 10 passes to six different receivers. Christian McCaffrey was the leading receiver with six catches in the first half. Or sorry, five catches in the first half. And then it was five players with one catch. Jawan Jennings had a catch. Kittle had a catch. Ayuk had a catch. Juszczyk had a catch. And Chris Conley had a catch. It was everyone and their mothers getting involved in that San Francisco offense, which you could argue like, oh, San Francisco has all these all-pro players up and down the offense. By the way, there's five of them. Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Six, five, or five all-pro players on the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco. And they're spreading it out with Juwan Jennings and Chris Conley's and all that stuff like that. But I don't really think that that's more of an indictment of them more than it is like, they had 10 completions in the first half. Purdy and Mahomes threw exactly the same number of passing yards. Uh, at one point, they had ran the exact same number of plays when Kansas City gets the ball right after this 12-play, 75-yard touchdown that San Francisco runs. At that time, they both had run the exact uh, the exact same number of plays on offense. Like even though, And San Francisco was winning time of possession, but it didn't feel like they were doing the most with that winning time of possession battle because... They were only up by four points. I'm sorry, they were never up by four points. They were only up by three points because, as we were going to mention, after the 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that involved a 17-yard completion to Juwan Jennings, a 10-yard completion to Debo Samuel, a 20-yard completion to Brandon Ayuk, and then finished it up with a, I believe it was a 12-yard touchdown to Juwan Jennings, after executing all of those plays to near perfection, Point after touchdown gets blocked. Point after touchdown gets blocked. And and they brought this up. Like, Tony Romo had himself another stinker of a broadcast at times. But they did bring this up on the broadcast. And it felt like it was analysis I wasn't getting much anywhere else. That was on Moody for kicking it low. And having the ball get blocked not once, but twice. They blocked the ball twice on the Moody extra point. And you know, when you when you are a football-obsessed nerd like I am, and my reaction in real time is like, oh my gosh, they blocked it, that is so incredibly huge, 
thinking that now if Kansas City scores a touchdown, Kansas City's going to go up four, and I don't think Brock Purdy against this defense is going to go down and score a touchdown with, call it, five minutes left to play. I think Brock Purdy's going to end up in Kirk Cousins' purgatory relatively quick here if he ever gets to hold the ball again at all in the final two minutes of the game. But lo and behold, San Francisco misses the uh, uh, gets the extra point blocked, Kansas City gets the ball back after the San Francisco 12 play, 75-yard, six-minute, grind-down-your-defense kind of drive. And Kansas City responds with a 12-play, 75-yard, five-and-a-half-minute field goal drive. Not a touchdown drive, a field goal drive. Because Kansas City got the ball to first and goal at the three-yard line. And they did not execute. When they got the ball to first and goal at the three-yard line, in my mind I'm thinking, okay, they are going to run the ball three times and just try and push the ball into the end zone. And on first and goal, they got one yard. Second and goal, they tried to run a pass to Rasheed Rice, covered across the board. Then on third and goal, the first read was Kelsey, Kelsey is getting passed off by, I believe it was Jair Brown and Charvarius Ward. They ran a little pick route to try and get Kelsey open in the on the left corner. So it was basically it was Kelsey on the slot. There was a receiver on the outside. They crossed each other trying to create a natural pick that would free up Kelsey in the back corner of the end zone. And I believe it was Charvarius Ward who was covering Kelsey, who again is one of the best coverage corners in the NFL he made all pro on the defensive side this last year for the San Francisco 49ers Trevarius Ward passes off the receiver to Jair Brown and Ward stays to cover Kelsey Mahomes can't get a pass then he tries to take off and Armstead gets him from behind uh no it was Hargrave actually hard this was the 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 Armstead pancakes Mahomes was the first half when Kansas City had first and goal, and they got the stop at the goal line. This one was Hargrave bringing down Mahomes, who was trying to buy time, and they end up kicking the field goal instead. But they still milk the clock exactly the same way that San Francisco is. It's like, okay, San Francisco's going to have a 12-play, 75-yard drive, touchdown drive. We're going to execute the exact same 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, except they didn't get the touchdown at the end of the drive because they did not run the ball at the goal line with Isaiah Pacheco against that San Francisco run defense, which in fairness is one of the best run defenses in the NFL. At the same time, chose not to run it, kick the field goal, all that good stuff. Then San Francisco gets the ball, 16-16, with five minutes left to play. Both teams have just executed six-minute drives. The game is tied. Defenses are a bit gassed, and San Francisco is able to get bailed out. I'm sorry, no, this is the the wrong drive on that one. San Francisco immediately gets a 23-yard completion to Juwan Jennings. They move the ball into Kansas City territory in two plays. They get the ball down to the 35-yard line, and on second down and five, They threw a pass outside to Kittle that ended up going for no yards. And it was, by the way, only the second completion Kittle had in the entire game. They had him blocking almost the entire way. San Francisco has its second and five at the Kansas City 35-yard line. And by this point, 
They got the, with five minutes left to play. They got the ball into Kansas City territory in two plays. They ran the ball with McCaffrey. Or I'm sorry. They ran the ball with Debo on an end around. They ran the ball with McCaffrey to pick up the first down. And then McCaffrey got a five-yard run. On those three consecutive plays, they were able to run off two full minutes of game clock. They went from 5.01 on the clock when they snapped it down to 2.45 on the clock. Remember, Kansas City had to burn a timeout earlier because of poor clock management on their own 10-yard line. Kansas City has second and five at their own 35, or at at their 35, with two minutes and 45 seconds and a running clock. Purdy threw a pass outside to Kittle that ended up going for no yards. And I think they would have liked for it to have gained one or two, but it was, in essence, one of those plays of Shanahan saying, we will give up a play in order to make sure that we possess the ball last. That we have the confidence in our offense that we will be able to execute a third and short or a third and medium, depending on how you feel third and five is. We will be able to execute this third and five. And if when we do, there will be 30 sec at, at most 30 seconds left on the clock for Patrick Mahomes to go down and win the game when we make that field goal from 40 something yards away. On that third and five coming out of the two-minute warning, if San Francisco picks that up, there will be at most 30 seconds left for Kansas City. And on that third and five, Kansas City's defense brings the blitz. And the player that they blitz from the left side, unblocked, because they rush six and there's only five blockers, everyone else is in man coverage. The person that they rush... With six from the outside is Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie, the all pro slot corner, who, other than maybe Marlon Humphrey, who plays, you know, between outside and slot as just this super weapon of a corner, Trent McDuffie, who might be the best slot cornerback in the NFL this season. Instead of having him cover Ayuk, instead of having him cover Debo, on the blitz, they bring Trent McDuffie from the outside. So now they're blitzing Karlaftis, Jones, uh, I believe it was Pinnell who was in the game at that point. Linebacker might have been Tranquil who's blitzing. They're blitzing six, and McDuffie's the one rushing from the outside. And McDuffie gets to Purdy, knowing that the trigger option is the swing pass to Jennings on the outside. McDuffie bats the ball down, with Jennings open on the outside. Like, Jennings is going to catch the ball short of the sticks, but if he turns up field and just kind of, you know, puts his shoulder into it, he's probably going to pick up the first down. Has Jennings on the outside. Throws to Jennings. McDuffie bats the ball down. Now it's fourth down. And instead of San Francisco's going to kick the field goal with at most 30 seconds and no timeouts, now it's San Francisco's going to kick the field goal with 150 left, and you have two timeouts remaining. And that right there is your strategically great defensive play 
that Kansas City needed. Like Chris Jones in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. Like Nick Bolton in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Like Chris Jones pushing the offensive lineman backwards into Josh Allen to disrupt the throw that he had to Trent Sherfield. There's your strategically great play by a strategically great defensive player for Kansas City. I mentioned this after the AFC Championship game. I will mention it again. The only player of consequence that Kansas City got in the trade for Tariq Hill is Trent McDuffie. He was the 21st pick in the 2022 draft. That was the pick they got from the Miami Dolphins. The only player of consequence that Kansas City got in the entire trade for Tariq Hill was Trent McDuffie. The other player they got was Sky Moore. Hasn't really been an impact player for them. And now Rasheed Rice has kind of filled the role that Sky Moore was supposed to occupy when they took him in the second round. The only player of consequence in this game that Kansas City got from for Tariq Hill is Trent McDuffie. And that play of consequence is the difference between Kansas City in the 2021 regime with Teran Matthew and Daniel Sorensen and Tariq Hill and, and all those players that they had, Traverius Ward up and down the team, the previous iteration of Kansas City versus this iteration of Kansas City is Trent McDuffie making that exact play in that exact moment to give Patrick Mahomes the football down three with a minute 51 and two timeouts to go down the field. And he only needs a field goal. Only needs a field goal. And they get the ball to the 10-yard line with nine seconds to play and one timeout. They threw a fade to Kelsey on the outside, was covered by Warner, I believe, or it was either Warner or Charvarius Ward. They threw the exact same route on the opposite side of the field that they ran one-on-one with Kyle Hamilton in the AFC Championship game. Fade to Kelsey, back shoulder. It was incomplete. They kicked the field goal. They go to overtime. It's 20, it's 19 to 19, and we go to overtime. Okay, cool. Kansas City went right down the field, scored. You know, Patrick Mahomes has done it in 13 seconds with one time or with two timeouts, getting a field goal with a minute 51 and two timeouts. Easy business for Patrick Mahomes. It only would have been a story if he hadn't done it at this point. And I know we always talk about appreciate greatness and don't take some of these things for granted, but like, come on, man. Patrick Mahomes is absolutely impeccable, incredible, incredulous in some of those moments. And they executed right down the field. They, they had a little bit of a scare, but pretty much go right down the field. Third and two ended up being a huge completion, or a third and seven ended up being a huge completion to Kelsey where he beats... Uh, Fred Warner one-on-one in just a total like putting Kelsey one-on-one is obviously so difficult but they kind of picked their poison with the blitz that they were running with uh, 16 seconds left in the game got it to Kelsey Kelsey ended up picking up the 30 plus yards to get him inside the 10 and uh, they ended up kicking the field goal because they had one shot at the end zone and then a chip shot to go to overtime okay cool awesome Trent McDuffie's defensive play gets them to overtime could have won them the game in regulation, but gets them to overtime. Then you have the new overtime rule, which, ironic enough, the overtime rule that they changed because Josh Allen didn't get the football in the greatest regular or the greatest football game I've ever seen in my lifetime between Buffalo and Kansas City, because Josh Allen didn't get the ball in that overtime, the overtime rules changed correctly. By the way, I'm very glad that both teams get to possess the ball in overtime of the playoffs. Very much accept, very much correctly changing the rule. We'll just point that out. Correctly changing the rule so that both teams get to possess the ball in overtime. 
we have the coin toss. And in my mind, I, I, I say to, to my friend who's sitting next to me, this is the first time we've ever done this. There is no representative sample size for what you should do under the new overtime rule format. There is no sample size for what the numbers say you should do. Like for all the talk about analytics decisions and trying to predict variables and things of those sorts, there is no data to work with. And that's one of the things that I think is so incredibly exciting about when you make change in sports. When people talk about like analytics change the game, at a certain point, if you don't change the rules, the analytics won't change. You'll still have numbers and you'll still have data that you collect, and, and there will always be the chess match within, within the game that you know makes it so that NFL offense plummets to its lowest levels in 25 years as a counteract to what Kansas City was doing for four years, and in the end, Kansas City still wins both Super Bowls in the two years after NFL offense and game theory changes. But besides the point, there's no sample size to work with. There is no data that tells you you should or shouldn't get the ball to start overtime. There's no data to work with. And how incredibly exciting is that? That in the championship game, in the Super Bowl, you have something that you have never seen before. And the people who are playing the game have to think on the fly. Trust guts. Trust instincts. Trust their football acumen. Whatever you want to point to. There's no data to work with. There's no data pregame. There's no data telling you this is what you're supposed to work with because we've never, ever seen the you get the ball in both both teams get to possess the ball in overtime. And the 49ers win the coin toss and the 49ers choose to receive. I think that's so incredibly interesting because in my mind, I'm thinking, wouldn't you want to possess the ball second so that you know whether or not you need to score or whether or not you need to get the ball after that. And Kyle Shanahan, after the game, talked about the reason they accepted the ball going in overtime was that it guaranteed they would possess the ball once sudden death kicked in. If both teams ended up possessing the ball, it was a guarantee that San Francisco was going to possess it, although that's not technically true because as soon as the first team gives the ball back to the second team, then it becomes sudden death overtime. Now, the idea that Shanahan's talking about is that once his team gets the ball, say it was tied at the end of the first two possessions. If it were still tied, then it becomes sudden death first team to score. But as soon as the first team, as soon as you know what the first team does as their result, then it becomes sudden death. Because yes, the other team has an option to tie the game, but you know what you need to win and or extend the game. The, the second team has more control over the game because you've seen the result of the first team. I would have taken the ball second in that overtime situation, but again... There's no data to work with. We have no idea if Shanahan would have been right, if I would have been right. There's no way to know. There's no data to work with. We don't have a representative sample size that tells us this is what works best in this situation. Shanahan took the ball first. I would have taken the ball second. And we both could have been correct, and we both could have been wrong. We don't have a sample size that will give us a representative example of what will happen under that game scenario. But Shanahan takes the ball first in overtime. And with both teams heaving for air, he executes a seven and a half minute drive down to the Kansas City goal line. At one point, they had a third and 13 and Trent McDuffie got a holding call that extended the drive. Because if you'll remember when that drive first started, San Francisco got a five yard penalty on Brandon Ayuk. 
On third and 13, McDuffie got a holding call, and then they basically reset the drive. Because they started at the San Francisco 25, Ayuk got the false start, McDuffie got the holding call, and then it was first and 10 at the 27. So it was basically like, ah, San Francisco got a penalty that screwed them, uh, the, the Niners moved back to third and long, but then Kansas City got a holding call that screwed them and gave San Francisco a first down. It was like, ah, both teams committed a penalty, so we restart the drive again, first and 10 at the San Francisco 27. And then they went big completion to Brandon Ayuk. They went 24-yard completion to Christian McCaffrey, uh, one that was like, oh, the, the snap was bobbled by Purdy, got up and still threw it to McCaffrey for 24 yards. Then McCaffrey ended up getting uh, 8-yard completion on that play. Right after that, they get the ball to the goal line, all that stuff. And on 3rd down and 4 at the 9-yard line, San Francisco executes a play where they have Jennings on the uh, not t- totally on the outside but they have Jennings running a route where he runs up 3 yards fakes like he's going inside and then cuts back towards the pylon and they're at the 9 yard line so again he's running this route at about the 4 yard line and Jennings beats his man his man commits to the inside Jennings breaks to the outside Jennings is open. If he catches the if if Purdy throws him the ball and he catches it, he will likely be able to score a touchdown that will put San Francisco up 26 to 19. And Chris Jones, one of the most clutch postseason players in the history of of the NFL gets to Purdy within three seconds, jumps in the air to force Purdy to throw the ball high. Purdy gets the ball out before Jennings can turn. And the pass is incomplete. Purdy is looking for Jennings. The route is designed for Jennings. Jennings runs a great fake route, beats his man. He's open looking at the pylon. If Purdy has time to sit back and throw, he will throw a bullet pass to Jennings' top shoulder. And even if he makes a bad throw, Jennings will have a chance to turn around and beat his man one-on-one to get the final four yards to the end zone. And Chris Jones clutches out once again with a stop. And this was the thing Kansas City had been relying on for so many of their Super Bowl wins. So many times it had been... Chris Jones gives them a big play late in the game. It happened in the AFC Championship game last year. It happened in the Super Bowl. It happened in the divisional round against Buffalo. And it was about to happen again in this game. And Chris Jones clutched out. When before, again, they needed Trent McDuffie to clutch out. And that's the thing that I think has changed for Kansas City. Kansas City has three players they can turn to. When Legereus Sneed earlier in the game got hit with the penalty... Uh, that was 15 yards for slapping Brandon Ayuk open hand in the face. Very next play broke up the play, and and San Francisco, I think, ended up scoring on the drive, but didn't end up having any like dramatic consequence as a result. Legereus Sneed was an impact corner on the outside. Trent McDuffie, blitzing from the outside, ended up giving Kansas City back the ball to force overtime. And then in overtime, Chris Jones gets the stuff 
to force a field goal off a seven and a half minute drive. Kansas City's offense was, or sorry, Kansas City's defense was on the field at the end of the game for a six minute touchdown drive, a four minute field goal drive that could have been right to the end of the game if McDuffie doesn't bat that ball down from Purdy. And then when they get another chance, they have to run a seven and a half minute drive where San Francisco essentially moves down the field at will slowly and grinding up their defense to burn them out once they got to the goal line. And when they got to the goal line, they executed the play perfectly, executed the game winner. Jennings beats his man on the outside. He's going to catch the ball, run to the pylon, dive and score a touchdown. Maybe he won't even have to dive depending on how good the recovery is by his man one-on-one. And Chris Jones got to the quarterback within three seconds, forced Purdy to have to throw it high and throw it away, and they force a field goal, and now it's 22-19. to And then what does Kansas City do after San Francisco's just ran a 13-play, 66-yard drive that if, Trent, if Chris Jones doesn't make that stop is a 13-play, 75-yard seven and a half minute touchdown drive. What does Kansas City do after getting the stop? They run their own 13 play, 75 yard, seven and a half minute touchdown drive. Beat San Francisco at their own game because Kansas City themselves was building a precise offense, a precision-based offense. Beat San Francisco at their own game. When San Francisco had a 12 play, 75 yard, six minute touchdown drive, Kansas City executed a 12-play, 75-yard, six-minute field goal drive that got them within a yard of scoring, or within three yards of scoring a touchdown. Got within three yards of the goal line, running the same six-play drive that San Francisco had. When San Francisco got the ball inside the 35-yard line and McDuffie got the bat down to stop the field goal, what did Kansas City do? One minute, 51 seconds, 11 plays, kick our own field goal to go to overtime. San Francisco runs a 13-play, seven-and-a-half-minute drive to grind down Kansas City's defense. Kansas City comes out on the first drive of overtime and runs the exact same 13-play, 75-yard drive for seven-and-a-half minutes that this time ends with a Kansas City touchdown from Mahomes to McCole Hardman who at the end of it all, at the end of the worst Kansas City team that's ever happened, that that has existed in the Mahomes era, that can't quite bring down, that the, the worst Kansas City receivers that have ever been around, the worst Kansas City team by DVOA that has existed, the worst of the Mahomes teams wins it with Meikle Hardman, the punchline, I guess punchline number three, the receivers that Mahomes couldn't trust, I, I actually don't even know where he qualifies on the punchline list because it's Kadarius Tony, it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then it's Mecole Hardman with two fumbles in the divisional round game. Mecole Hardman in the Super Bowl comes back to Kansas City and scores the game-winning touchdown with three seconds left in the first overtime period to win the Super Bowl. And Kansas City just marched right down the field, man. 13 plays, 75 yards. They did not, if my math is correct, they did not have a single play on the drive that was greater than 19 yards, which was the Patrick Mahomes scramble where Armstead was so close to bringing him down, so close to knocking down Mahomes. The 19-yard scramble that got them inside the red zone was the longest play of the drive. Other than that, it was 
Remember they had a fourth and one and they pulled out the read option on the last, what could have been the last play of the season. They busted out a read option for, I think what had to be the first time they never run read options, never run a Mahomes read option play. Bosa committed entirely to Pacheco. They trusted Mahomes in the read option, a play I don't think they'd ran all season. At the very least, I know they didn't run it in a meaningful game all season. Run the read option. Mahomes picks up seven yards. Looking like Josh Allen. Looking like Lamar Jackson. They busted out the read option package for Mahomes on fourth and one with the season on the line. They didn't want Mahomes to sit there and do the tush push because one, Mahomes ain't that big. And two, the last time they tried to tush push Mahomes, he messed up his knee against the Denver Broncos in 2019. They ran the read option for the first time on a fourth and one on their own side of the field where if they didn't pick it up, the season would have been over. Kept the ball in Mahomes' hands, had Kelsey block for him. They were rewarded, rewarded richly. They executed a fourth down there, executed a third and six where Mahomes hit Rasheed Rice on the short screen pass. They got the first down. Mahomes scrambled uh, uh, scrambled for the, the 19 yards on third down. They went, remember the tw- in a full circle moment, remember the 2018 AFC Championship game where Brady got to possess the ball first? And when Brady got to possess the ball first, it was like a surgical defeat of Kansas City's defense. It was like third and 10, Gronk. Third and 10, Gronk. Third and seven, Gronk. Third and, uh, I think they executed, they were three for three on third downs and then punched the ball in at the very end. On this surgical, precision-based defeat of the Kansas City Chiefs, after after Kansas City got beat with a surgical, precision-based offense, they came back and won with a surgical, precision-based offense, executed on fourth down, executed on a third and six to Rasheed Rice, on third and one, Mahomes scrambles for 19 yards. They get it to Kelsey for a first and goal. And then on first and goal, they roll out right. Defense leaves McCole Hardman open. Mahomes throws it to Hardman, who had dropped so many passes and messed up so many moments all season. Just put it right where Hardman could get it. Backpedal into the end zone. And they execute the surgical precision-based offense. And there you have the six-year evolution of the Kansas City Chiefs. From getting beat in the AFC Championship game against New England that completely would have turned around their fortunes because they might have had four Super Bowls by this point if they had won in 2018, Mahomes' first season. They might have had four Super Bowls by this point. And the four Super Bowls versus Tom Brady six would have completely transformed the game and the conversation around this Kansas City dynasty. But you have them get beat with a surgical precision-based drive, seven and a half minutes by Tom Brady to beat them in the AFC Championship game on their home field. And then six years later in the Super Bowl, after completely transforming their team, moving on from the the Tariq Hills, the Daniel Sorensons, the Tyron Matthews, the Traverius Wards, going from an explosive offense capable of putting up 30 points against anyone, they too evolve to execute their fourth down and one read option by Mahomes third down and six Rasheed Rice 13 yard completion on a screen third down and one Mahomes scrambles out the pocket for a 19 yard gain and they execute their 13 play seven and a half minute drive to counter the 49ers counter anything Kyle Shanahan could throw at them and counter 
the ghost of Tom Brady that people think Patrick Mahomes has to chase by executing their own precision-based game-winning drive in overtime to get them a Super Bowl. Absolutely magical. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast, and thank you for continuing to support us all season long. We so greatly appreciate all of your support with all of these NFL Mondays. This is now the fifth football season, the fifth football season that we've been giving you these kinds of analyses after games, and we so greatly appreciate you and all your continued support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting our dreams. We're inching ever so close to accomplishing our dreams We can see the light, we can see the vision, and that vision involves all of you continuing to support us along our journey. We thank you so much for your support all football season long. We're still going to be coming at you with content. We transitioned to basketball starting this week. I'm so excited to share all of that with you. Thank you to our friend Blake Jude, to Walter Mitchell, to Juju Talk Sports who carried the torch this year. And by the way, Juju got a new show at his news station in Austin, Texas. He gets to talk sports on television. We're so, so excited for our friend Juju. He carried us all season long this year. So many sports radio Wednesdays, so many times when we were burnt out from our full-time sports radio producing job that we could just look up and have a clip that Juju and I put together. He came through for us time and time again this season. So thank you to Juju for all of the continued support from you. Thanks to our friend Morgan from Australia. I mentioned Razor Rosenthal. He's come in clutch time and time again. Walter Mitchell came through. Joe Camo has been here all throughout the season for us. Our friends of the show, our guests, all of you who continue to support this fun little stupid podcast thing that we've done over a 1,300 times over the past five years and every football Monday for a half a decade. You guys continue to support us time and time again we're inching ever so close to a quarter of a million downloads in the history of the podcast i don't know what i'm going to do with myself when we hit quarter of a million downloads that's the the greatest goal that we're ever going to hit and achieve on this podcast and you guys have continued to make that happen and we so greatly appreciate all of you for everything that you continue to do thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart We greatly appreciate all your support through this football season. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. And in the meantime, remember to take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.